I can think of no better subject to preach on than this on Mother's Day, and it's on faithfulness, on faithfulness. But I'm gonna tell you what, this is not just a message for our moms today. This is a message for the church. This has been stirring in my spirit now for quite some time, for a couple months now, and, um, and I just know that God is in this. It's his timing is perfect, and I'm excited to preach it today, especially after last week's message, Be Courageous Now is what John, how many of you were so blessed by that last week? That message, one of my favorites so far. My husband's my favorite preacher, and um, he always just amazes me on how he gets a fresh word from the Lord all the time. But I feel like this could just be part two to that message, really, because the thing he asked us last week is, what dream has God put inside of your heart? What dream has God planted inside of you? And we heard so many stories throughout the week of what, what God is doing in your life and maybe things that have laid dormant or things that God maybe is starting to resurrect in you. And so that excites us and we share in that. But many of the questions are, is now what? What do I do with this now? And I'm so glad you asked because now you just be faithful. You be faithful to walk that out in obedience and just be faithful every step of the way. So part two is be faithful now. Just, just be faithful now. And so faithfulness is something that we need to talk a little bit more about. We really do. You know, I think we all know that we live in a world where people aren't very faithful anymore, where, you know, people don't keep their commitments, people don't keep their appointments, they don't call to say they're not coming, people are late all the time, and I'm just going to say it because I don't know any other way to say it. We've got to be careful as Christians that we don't get sloppy with the rest of the world. That's right. That's an that's a amen. I might just amen myself right now. We, we've got to be the kind of people... That, that, that says, you know what, I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do because we're not just ordinary people. We are the chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are children of the most high king. And so to us, there is a higher calling. To us, there will be a higher answering to because we're not just ordinary people. See, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. First of all, we're not in junior high anymore. Secondly, what is God asking me to do? What is God requiring of me to do? So that, that's all about faithfulness. I'm so excited to preach it, aren't you, to hear it. I know this is a strong message for Mother's Day, but I'm just being obedient and walking out what he's placed on my heart. But the book of Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, and I'm going to be saying a lot of scriptures today. You might just want to write them down or follow along on the, our My ALC mobile app. But Revelation chapter 2, it says this, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, we can try to figure out what this all means and do a theoretical search on it and, and see what the theology is behind it. But quite honestly, it's just very simple. Just be faithful. Just, just be faithful. Be faithful in the hardest of times. Be faithful in your suffering. Be faithful when you're tested. Be faithful even to the point of death. It, this, this is just pretty basic, isn't it? Just, just be faithful. Just be faithful. And then we are going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, which many of you know this is the great hall of faith chapter where we see these spiritual giants listed out. They're known for their faithfulness. They're known for their faithfulness. And then I love, because then we can flip the page to Hebrews chapter 12. I would love for you to turn there with me in your Bibles. I'm going to have some of the scriptures behind me, but there's, there's just nothing like turning the pages, is there? There's nothing like marking up your Bible, and I just love that. So Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1, this is Paul talking about running a race. 
and I'm just going to read it for you. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. Now, I just want to hold your spot right there because we're going to come back to that, but I want to talk about this race we're running. Did you know you're running a race today? Did you know you're, maybe that's why you're so tired today. You're running a race, and so am I. We're all in this race, and this race is called the race of life. We're running this race, and each of us has our own lane that we're running in. And we're running in the lane that God has set apart just for us. That's what the scripture says. Running the race with perseverance, the race that's been marked out for us. How many of you have, you have ever been in a race before? Let me see your hand. Maybe it's been a while. You know, when I run a race, I, I run with perseverance. I run with endurance. I run with some tenacity. And, and, you know, the race that I think of that comes to mind is a race I had to run in junior high school back in the day. How many of you are from the Midwest and familiar with the presidential fitness program? Anybody? Anybody? There's some. They don't do that here. They don't do that. In, it's only a Midwest thing. I'm not sure why. But I had to run. Do they do that here? Am I wrong? They do? Okay, I was wrong. So the 600-yard dash, the 600-yard dash is what um, I had to run. And the day my class ran it, they, um, I was absent, and so I had to make it up. Well, the day I was absent, Bruce Dudak was absent as well. And so when I went to the gym teacher to make up my, my dash, he said, you're going to have to run with Bruce. Well, I didn't want to run with Bruce. I didn't want to run with Bruce. I'm going to tell you why. Because Bruce had every record set for running in the entire school, in the entire county, in the entire state. I'm quite sure he went on a full ride scholarship on for running. I mean, Bruce was a sensation. I didn't want to run with Bruce. Why? Because I'd be left in the dust. I didn't want to run with Bruce. So the coach explained to me, hey, this isn't a race. It's not a competition. You just have to beat your school, your, your rate, your time from the last time you ran the 600-yard dash. So you, you pretty much got to do it. This is a requirement. It's not an option. You're going to have to run the race. So I ran with Bruce that day, and I'm going to tell you what a funny thing happened. When I ran with Bruce, I ran faster. When I ran with Bruce, I ran faster. Oh, he was still ahead of me. He was still faster than me. He was still, um, he was still ahead of me. But I, I tell you what, it wasn't a competition. We both knew it. It was a requirement. We just ran. And when I ran with Bruce, I ran faster. And a funny thing happened. When Bruce and I crossed that finish line, we both had set the new record for the school for the, for the fastest girl and the fastest guy in the school. I wasn't even in track. So the coach looks at me, and he says, you see, I, I gotta, you guys don't understand. See, I'm the type of person, if you see me running, you probably ought to run too, because, <laughs> because it's just not something I do. So, so there's probably somebody chasing us. So, um, so, so the coach looked at me, he's like, who are you? Like, who, who are I said, I just wanted to keep up with Bruce. I just wanted to keep up with Bruce. I tell you what, who are you running your race with today? Who are you running your race with today? Because whoever you're running with is either going to hold you back or they're going to make you reach new limits. They're going to make you run faster than you ever thought possible. So who are you running your race with today? But no matter who you're running your race with, I'm going to tell you what, each of us will be held accountable for our own race. See, this race we're in, you have a lane that you're assigned to. You have your own path 
Each of us does as best as what we can do. And see, my race is unique to me and your race is unique to you. Because why? Because it's God's plan for your life. And your lane becomes your destiny. And the finish line to your destiny is your destination. And if you don't stay in your lane, you're never going to reach that. And here's where faithfulness comes in. See, faithfulness comes in when we stay in the race, first of all. And faithfulness comes when, when we keep our commitment to the lane to which we've been called, the purpose to which you've been created. You know, the definition to faithfulness is, is pretty simple. I'm putting it up behind me here. But it says faithfulness is being true to one's word, keeping your promises and your vows, staying loyal, being constant, I love this one, not fickle. Boy, that just would preach all by itself, wouldn't it? Reliable and trustworthy. I love that. I love the Hebrew definition too. I looked this up in the Hebrew and it's the, the definition of the word faithfulness in Hebrew means to stick to. To, to stick to. And so today we're going to talk about sticking to. We're going to talk about the importance of sticking to. So maybe right now you've come in here and you're ready to throw in the towel in an area of your life. I just want you to say, or want to tell you maybe, just maybe God has you here today to encourage you to stick it out a little bit longer. Maybe God just says, you know what, I don't want you to give up. As I was praying for the service today, I, uh, God gave me a word picture of spinning wheels. Maybe today you're here and you just feel like, I've done everything I know to do, and I just feel like I'm, I'm just going nowhere fast. I'm just spinning my wheels. I just want to tell you, maybe God sent you here today to say, you know what, stick to it. You, you just keep in the race. You keep on the track. You keep doing what you're doing, and I will take care of the rest because I just wonder how often do we quit something right before our breakthrough? How often do we quit on something right when our breakthrough is right around the corner? See, I believe that God is looking for faithful people who see things through to the finish. It doesn't, it doesn't take any special talent to start something but it takes a whole lot of something to see something all the way through because there's a lot of great starters in the kingdom, but there's not a lot of great finishers in the kingdom. So this, this race you're in, you know what, there's going to be some training involved because this is a race after all. You know, if you want to go to the next level, there's always a little bit of resistance every time you try to go to another level. How many know that's true? And so, you know, when you go to the next level, there's usually some resistance that you're going to have to press through a little bit. And these trials many times are exactly what build your spiritual muscle to make you get through the next one. And, and so, you know, have you ever trained for a sport before? Have you, have you ever went to the gym and said, I'm going to start this, I'm going to start training? Well, what happens the next day? Well, it hurts. It hurts, right? Everything hurts. You discover muscles you never even knew you had. But true champions know that pain is seasonal. True champions know that, that the pain is, it will eventually pass. True champions know that pain is just a passageway to promotion. It's the training. It's the training. So I say to you, stay in it. It might be painful, but I'm going to say, stay in it. This is, this is training. Let's jump back to Hebrews chapter 12. At verse 7. Now, we're still talking about the race. I just skipped a couple chapters or a couple verses just because of time today, but we're still very much talking about this race that we're running. And Paul says this Endure hardship as discipline. 
God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, then and everyone goes through discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Can I hear a great big amen? Amen. Reading on. How much more should we submit to the Father of the spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, and as they thought best, but God disciplines us for good, for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. How many of you want to share in his holiness today? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Can, if you mark in your Bibles, can you just circle that word? If you're taking notes today, that's key in what we're talking about today. If it produces, if, if we learn from it, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So the author of Hebrews is letting us know, hey, this race we're talking about today, it's going to be a tough race. You're going to encounter some hurdles. You're going to encounter some, some hard spots. In fact, it might get so hard that you want to quit. And so I love this little pep talk he gives. You know, hey, don't quit. You keep in the race. You keep, you keep running no matter what. You stick to it. I love where it says in verse 11, those who have been trained by it, it produces a, a harvest. It produces a harvest if you, if you allow that. And so we're in harvest training. So the next time that trial comes, you think about, it. wow, I'm in harvest training. This is building some serious spiritual muscle right now. It's building some st spiritual stamina in your life. Because I'm going to tell you what, when you pass this hurdle right now that you, you're pretty much sure will kill you, 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 when you pass that hurdle right now, I tell you what, it's going to build spiritual muscle for you. You're going to be a little tougher because of it. When you pass this hurdle, only then can you go to the next hurdle. See, sometimes I want to think about over there. Oh, I want to be over there. But, but I, got to, I got to pass through here first. I, I've got to get through this first because I can't do what I need to do over there until I get what, I, what I've got to do here first. Luke, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, it says this. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. I just want you to soak that in. Soak that in. That's the word of God. That's not my words. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. See, I think God gives us the test of little things. You know, most things don't start out big. They start out little. And how we manage the little things indicates what we would do if we had big things. Because why would God give me dynamite if I can't handle a firecracker? Well, well, he's not going to. He's not, he's not going to give me dynamite until I am trained on the firecracker, until I'm a safe person with the firecracker, until I know how to operate a firecracker. Because why? Because dynamite in the untrained hands is dangerous. Dynamite in untrained hands is, is destructive. I remember when John and I first came to this church, Abundant Life, it was April 18th, 2004. We've been here for 14 years now. We're so glad to be here. We love our church family. We had 22 people here in attendance that day. We had 22 faithful, faith, that's all that was here, 22 faithful, faithful, faithful people here that Sunday that put their faith in the Lord and put their trust in us to become their pastors. Right, my kids, 
And I, we, we totaled a whopping attendance for the first several months here was 27 people. 27 people. Is it, and what I need you to know and why I tell you that is I need you to know because if you're showing up now where you've showed up recently, John and I want you to know that we had to go through a whole lot of, of little. We had to be faithful in a whole lot of little to give, for God to give us the increase. We had 22 people running the race before we got here. We had 22 faithful people that joined. We just, John and I just, just ran in the race. We just started running right along with them. 22 people who sowed the seed, who watered in tears. They watered this place. They, many of them prayed you in your seat today. I'm telling you, there is a price for faithfulness. I just wonder if we can honor those. If you were amongst the 22 people that voted us in, would you stand? Would you stand? I know there was some in first service, but Ray, come on, stand. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. There's someone there. Phil and Sandra Danello. This is faithfulness. This is what faithfulness looks like. I'm telling you what, they watered, they prayed, they sowed seed. That is faithfulness in the flesh. They stuck with it when not many did. Pastor Vandery in June, would you stand? Talk about sowing seed. They pastored this church for 24 years before we got here. Bless you. Bless you. Wow. You talk about faithfulness. This building is here because he built it. God built it through him. This is faithfulness. There is a great reward for faithfulness. So what I would say to you is, well done, good and faithful servant. It's the little things. It's the little things of just hanging in there when no one else will. It's the little things. These people, most of the 22 are still with us today. Some of, some of them have gone to be with Jesus. But I tell you what, they are with us. There's a difference between between being with us and being with us. These 22, they are with us. And we are so, so thankful. There's a reward in that. There's a reward in faithfulness. So I'm gonna ask you today, what are some things that God is asking of you? I can guarantee your list of things God's asking of you is different than what my list of things that God is asking of me. Why? Because, because we're unique. This is my own path. This is your path. And, and you know, how many of you know that the more we serve the Lord, the more he'll require of us? The more we serve the Lord, he will require us. I know the closer I grow to the Lord, the more he requires of me and the pickier he gets. He lets me, he doesn't let me get away with so much anymore. He, 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 want, he says, you know what? I say, Lord, but I want more of you. And he says, okay, well, then I want more of you. I want more of you too. And so, you know, sometimes, Sarah touched on this this morning, but sometimes God will ask us to do stuff. And we have no idea why. We, we don't know why. We just say, okay, God, I'll be obedient. I don't know why you're asking. It's not for me to figure out why you're asking me to do this. But, God, you could trust me to obey. So, so I'm going to obey. And so I want to just tell you a couple things that may be funny a little bit to show you how this works. Share a little bit of, of my laundry with you is, is one of the things God is kind of impressed on me. And this is just me. This isn't you. And you can't put this on your wife or anybody else. But, but one of the things God has convicted me about is my dirty dishes. It's as practical as it gets. See, when I work all day long and I come home and make my meal, try to make a good meal for my family, the last thing I want to do is do my dishes. 
I'm tired. Uh, they go sit down and watch TV. It's not fair. And I'm in with a bad attitude. I'm in the kitchen all by myself. It's not fair. I just want to go sit in the rocking chair on my front porch. But God is saying, no, you have dishes to do. You have some dishes to do. See, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. But a couple months ago, the Lord asked me if I'd get authority over my dirty dishes, if I would be obedient. Now, why? What in the world, Lord? Why are you asking me to do my dishes? Do you even care? No, I, I don't know why. But you know what? I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey because I want to be faithful in that. I want to be faithful to whatever he's asking me to do. Another thing is, is I'm a pretty early riser anyway. I'm the first one up at my house. But the Lord's, again, created this hunger in me to say, God, I want more of you. I want to see your spirit. I want to see your glory, Lord. I want all you have for me and more. He says, okay, then I want more of you. And so will you get up even earlier now just to spend time with me? Will you seek me first and then let me do the rest? It's pretty practical. It's pretty practical. Will I be faithful in what God is asking me to do? Happy Mother's Day, by the way. <laughs> this is a hard message on Mother's Day, but I'm just being obedient to what the Lord's asked me to do. See, these, these are little things, guys. These are little things, hardly even worth the mention. But I'm going to tell you what, the little things may very well be more important than the big things. Why? Because God is watching. Is he watching for my good deeds? No, he's watching my heart. He's watching to see if I will be obedient to him. See, if we aren't faithful in the little things, we're not going to be faithful in the big things. This is the test of little things. So let's talk about maybe some bigger things, some, some non-negotiables that God's already made very clear in his word that we really don't need to be convinced that God is telling us to do them. First of all, God's given me a husband. Am I faithful there? Am I being a faithful wife? One day when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, was John faithful to you? No, he's going to say, Kristen, were you faithful to John? See, this is all about me. This isn't, this isn't about him. This is about me. This isn't about anybody else. Am I faithful to what God has called me to do? I, God's given me three children. They're my first ministry. If I'm not faithful to them and serve them as a mother and instilling in them, I don't really know that I have business ministering to anybody else. God, God's called me to my children. If I'm not faithful there, I can't ask for increase. God's given me a job. I'm expected to do a good job there, expected to be on time, expected to be a good employee. I can't really ask for a promotion if I'm not being faithful to where I'm serving. And so this just goes on and on. Are you faithful in your church? Are you faithful to your tithe? Are you faithful to serving in a ministry? And this just keeps going on. God is asking already for us to do these things. Are we being faithful to respond? Because some, some of us, all we think about is the someday. Some of us are thinking about the someday, the big dream. It's good to have dreams, and it's good to, to start dreaming about what God wants us to do. But God is saying, hey, but will you be faithful here? But we, we have our head in the clouds. We're so thinking about what we're going to be like when we get there. What's, what's life going to be like when this happens? No, God is saying, what about here and now? Are you being faithful right now to what I've put in your hands? It's these little steps. See, we want sometimes the giant leap, don't we? No, it's just the little steps. John talked about this last week. It's the little steps of faithfulness and saying, yes, I'll be obedient here. I'll be obedient just to take the next step here. Faithful even when we don't want to be. Faithful when we don't feel like it. Faithful when we want to quit. 
Faithful when we're tired. Faithful when we're not happy and things aren't going our way and we're not getting our way. Faithful. Be thou faithful even unto death, and I will give you something no one else can give you. I will give you the crown of life. There's a reward in faithfulness. Will you turn with your Bibles into me to the book of Ruth? That's all the way in the, the, New, the Old Testament. It's, I think it's about eight chapters in. It's just a tiny little book. You might miss it. It's, it's only four chapters long. And this is just a, such a beautiful story of faithfulness I want to share with you today. But the story begins with a woman named Naomi. Naomi has a husband, and she has two sons who marry wives. And Naomi's husband and two sons are both are all killed. And so Naomi is left with her two daughter-in-laws. You, you probably know the story well. The daughter-in-laws' names are Ruth and Orpah. They're both from faraway lands. And so Naomi now is in a low point of her life. She's discouraged. She has nowhere to turn and so out of desperation, she says, you know what, I'm going to go back to my home country because this is my only hope for survival. See, back then in the culture, if you didn't have a husband, you didn't have sons, you had nothing. And so she said, I, I have no hope. I have nothing left to offer, nothing here, so I'm going to my last hope. I'm going to go to my homeland. And she tells the two daughter-in-laws, you can go. You don't have to go with me. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you. You can go back home. I'm not going to have any more sons. I have no money for you. I have no place to live. I don't even know what my future looks like. So I'm going to let you off the hook. I have nothing more to offer you. Just go. And she pushes them away. We know that the condition of, of Naomi is not good because we read further down. Someone calls her Naomi and she says, no, no, don't call me that. Do not call me that. I'm changing my name to Mara because that means bitter, and I am a bitter woman. I'm not in a good place right now. So she's probably not a lot of fun to be around right now. So, so no one wants to be with someone that's not a lot of fun, right? She's in a hard time. And so we know the story. We know that one daughter left. So Orpah says, okay, I'm going. You released me. I'm out. But not Ruth. Not Ruth. Ruth says the famous words. She says, I, I'm not going to leave you. She said, I'm not going anywhere. See, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I am not going anywhere. I am staying with you. I made a promise. I'm going to keep my word. I am stuck with you, and you are stuck with me. This is faithfulness walked out right here. This is faithfulness walked out. This is the sticking to that we're talking about. She says, you're stuck with me. How many people will choose difficulty just to prove themselves faithful? Ruth did. See, it would have been so easy for Ruth to walk away. It would have been so easy for her to say, you know, I, I'm out. I, I'm out. But she says, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay right here. And so they go to the place where they're going, and there they encounter a wealthy man named Boaz. Actually, he is the wealthiest man in the country and he's a relative to Naomi and so Ruth's mother-in-law. And they talk. And I'm just going to start picking up with reading Ruth, um, Ruth chapter 2, verse 8. And she says this. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with my women and work, work with them. And so I want to just explain a little bit what's happening right now about this gleaning thing. Because you might not understand it if I don't. But God always made a way to take care of the poor. There were laws and there were rules that the poor had to be taken care of. 
And every person who had a crop by law, they couldn't reap the corners of their field. They had to leave that there for the poor. And so when the workers then were done for the day, the poor people then would go and they would come in and they would glean from those fields and there they'd have food to eat. Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? So, so Boaz said, hey, don't go anywhere else. I want you to stay here. I want you to glean here. So picking up with verse 9, it says, watch the field um, Watch the field where my men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I have told them not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, you go get a drink from the jars of water. And so, so this guy, Boaz, he's going out of his way to make sure she's taken care of. He's going out of his way to make sure she doesn't get hurt, to make sure she has drink, and to make sure she has food. Why is the richest man in the country now going out of his way to show her favor? I'm going to tell you why. It goes all the way back to her faithfulness with her mother-in-law. Verse 10, at this she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I have been told about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Isn't it interesting, even out of her pain, see, she lost her husband too. Even out of her pain, she's staying faithful. So how you, I know how you left your father and your mother from your homeland, and you came here with a people that you didn't even know. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Let me just tell you a little secret today. If you will be faithful, God will release favor on your life. If you will be faithful, God will release blessing over your life. And, and you can just reading on, keep reading on in the story. He just keeps blessing her, and we'll get to the rest of the story in a minute. But here's what I want you to know this morning. If, if you will be faithful to God in whatever he's asking you do, to do, especially in the little things, even before your harvest has come. See, Ruth's harvest hadn't come in by this time, but she was still faithful. So your harvest is going to come, but you might not know it yet. You, you might not see it yet, but if you be faithful to God, he will release favor on you. See, God's going to ask me one day, he's going to ask me one day, when I stand before him and it's just him and I, he's going to ask me to give an account of my life. He's going to say, Kristen, with what I entrusted you with, were you faithful? It's just going to be him and I there. I'm not going to be able to point fingers at anyone. It's me he's asking about. What I put in your hands, were you faithful to that? And I tell you what, when I stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, what a day that will be when my Jesus I should see. I tell you what, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom today. I tell you what, maybe today you're here and you just say, you know what, but I just want more of the Lord. I just want more of him, and that's a wonderful place to be, but can I just ask you this question? Can I just ask you, what has God already put in your hands, and are you being faithful there? Because God's not going to give you more until you've already done what he's put in your hands to do. Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty and goodness, but who can find a faithful and trustworthy man? I tell you what, I want to be a faithful and trustworthy man. Never thought I'd say those words before, but I want to be faithful. I want to be trustworthy. I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. See, I'm not going to hear those words if I'm not obedient to him now, and neither will you. 
And when you're faithful in the race, you take up this secret relationship with God where you're living for him. And let me tell you, there is going to be a harvest in your life. You just wait for it. You just wait for it. You just, you just keep running. You just don't quit. You just stay in there. Early, every year in Australia, they host an endurance race out of Sydney. Maybe you've heard of this before. It's considered amongst the world's most grueling ultramarathons. The race takes place over five days. It, to, to complete it, it takes five days. And normally, it's only attempted by world-class athletes who train especially for this event. And these athletes are typically 30 years old and under, so they're young and they can endure. But in 1983, a man named Cliff Young showed up to start the race. Now, Cliff was 61 years old. He wore overalls. He wore work boots. He was, uh, to everyone's shock, Cliff wasn't a spectator. Oh, no. He picked up a race number, and he joined the other runners. And the press and the other athletes, they became curious. They questioned Cliff, and they said they told him, you're crazy. There's no way you can finish this race. To which he replied, yes, I can. Oh, yes, I can. See, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or tractors. And, and the whole time I was growing up, when the storms would roll in, I would have to go out and round up all the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. Sometimes I would run for, for those sheep for two or three days straight. It took a long time, but I'd always catch them. See, I believe I can run this race. I believe I can run this race. And so the race started. The pros quickly left Cliff behind. The crowds and the television audience were entertained because Cliff didn't run properly. He appeared to shuffle. Even some feared for the old farmer's safety. All the professional athletes knew that it took about five days to finish the race. They all knew that in order to compete the race, they had to run for about 18 hours and sleep for six. But the thing of it is, Cliff Young didn't know it. He didn't even know there was sleeping quarters. And so he just kept running. He just kept running. And he continued to run for four days and four nights straight without stopping. Cliff just kept running. Every night he came a little closer to leading the pack. By the final night, he surpassed all of the other world-class athletes, and he was the first to cross the finish line, and he set a new course record. Come on. Come on. Yes. See, Cliff Young finished his race because he just didn't stop. He didn't know stopping was an option. He just kept running. You know what, church? Some of us need to make up our minds that I'm just not going to stop. I'm just not going to stop. I'm not going to let this take me out. I've got to decide now to say, I'm going to run this race that God has set before me. I'm just going to keep running. I'm not going to stop running. I'm going to keep running, and I'm just going to finish to the run to the finish. I'm not going to quit. So when that first sign of pain comes, when that first hurdle comes that you're just quite sure you can't get through, let me just tell you, you don't quit. You, you keep running. When that first hurt comes and that betrayal comes and you're so wounded, you don't know that you can keep going, can you make up your mind today, right now, I'm going to stay in this race. This is not going to take me out. There's nothing sadder when we see people fall by the wayside and, and lose their relationship with Christ. There's just nothing sadder. Saying, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this race. So the enemy would love for us to be knocked out of the race. He'd love to take us, take us out. 
where the, the going gets tough and we just say, we're out. I'm like Orpah. I'm, nope, don't have to tell me twice. I'm out. I'm done. We say, you know what? I, I just want to quit. See, you're the only one who can quit your race. You're the only one who can quit your race. We need some faithfulness in the church today. We need some faithfulness in the kingdom of God today. We need some Ruths to step up and say, hey, I'm in this. I'm not going anywhere. If there's a better option that comes up, I'm staying planted. Why? Because this is where God has me. I'm running my race and I'm staying in my lane. I'm going to reach that destiny. But I'm going to tell you what, Satan would like nothing more than to knock you out. A while ago, I just went through a really low, discouraging time. And I remember opening my Bible at the midnight hours just crying out to the Lord and saying, God, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Why? Because it's too hard. You've been there, I'm sure. Many of you have. I've heard your stories. And, and God gave me this beautiful word picture. I want to give it to you because it's brought such encouragement to me. And I know he shared it with me to share with others, but first and foremost to me. If you've ever seen the old movie or the old show MASH, how many of you have seen MASH? Where you're on the battlefield and then there's, there's the medical tent. It's there. It's got the red cross on the, the top. And I could see in this beautiful word picture God was showing me, I saw the tent and it was right there in the middle of the battlefield. And as I zoomed on in, there I was. There I was inside the tent. I was on a stretcher and I was sitting on the edge of the stretcher with my knees dangling. I was in fatigues. I was bandaged. My head was bleeding. I had a bandage around my arm here. I had just come off the battlefield, obviously wounded. And as I said to the Lord, and um, he, he said to me, he, he said, Kristen, it's time for you to get back on the battlefield. It's time for you to get back out there. And I said, but Lord, but Lord, can't you see? Can't you see me, Lord? I am wounded. Can't you see? And the Lord said these beautiful words that I'll never forget them. I've recalled them often through my struggles. He said, yes, I see you're wounded, but you are healed enough. You need to get out there. Don't you, you can get out on that battlefield and you continue in the battle. You are healed enough. Can I speak that into your spirit today? Maybe today you've been wounded. And can I tell you, don't stay in the tent. You get back out in the race. There are times where, yes, we pull off because it's hard and we're wounded. But you go get the help you need and then you know that you are healed enough. It's time to get back out on the battlefield. It's time to get back out there. And so I want to end you, leave you with this. One more thing to show you is Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story. You can find this in Ruth chapter 4, but I think it's more fun to find, find this. Is, the Bible is such a history book, so it's actually in another place, Matthew chapter 1, all the way in the New Testament. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, there we find the bloodline of Jesus Christ himself. We see the family tree, if you will. And I just love this, how it just all comes together. Chapter, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, that's the same Boaz we're talking about, whose mother was Rahab, which if you were here for Easter, we heard about Rahab. So Rahab birthed Boaz, and now Boaz is the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Bam! Bam! There it is! 
That's the big. Faithful in little, faithful in much. I don't know about you, but you can't be much more. You can't have a bigger harvest come in than being the great, 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 great. I don't know how many greats. Grandmother to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is her harvest. Ruth passed the test. She passed the test of little. If she wouldn't have been faithful to Naomi in that little step, I know we never would have seen her name in the genealogy of Christ. I know we wouldn't have. Let that encourage you today. You might not see your harvest, but your harvest is on its way. God's got a harvest for you. Can you just keep pressing through what you're going through today? Can you just keep pressing through that and saying, you know what, I'm committed. I'm I'm faithful. I'm going to stay in the race. Your persistence to stay in the race today is your greatest revenge on hell. I'm going to say that again. Your persistence to stay in your race is your greatest revenge on hell. Don't you quit. Don't you quit your race today. We need some Christians to get some backbone and say, you know what, I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what God's calling me to do. I'm staying in the race and I'm not going anywhere. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Come on. Too many people are throwing in the towel. It's time for us to say, yes, God, I answer to you. What have you called me to do in this place? So I'm asking you today for a fresh commitment to faithfulness. Fresh commitment to faithfulness today to the Lord, not to me, to the Lord. And just say, God, I'll be faithful. God, I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me little silly things to do because I wanted my answer to be yes and you'll, you'll know that's where my trust is built and you'll know you, I'm gonna be faithful to you. See, we sing about God's faithfulness, don't we? We sing it all the time. Sarah and I were talking. We're like, there are not songs about being faithful back to God. <laughs> it's all about his faithfulness. We know he's faithful. We know this. So then when he says, hey, I'm faithful to you, what do I ask in return? He says, I just want you to obey me. I just, want, I just want to be able to trust you to get a little more in your hands today. So I pray today that a fresh fire has come up within you to serve the Lord with faithfulness today in whatever it is you do. Whatever it is you do. Faithful in the little things. That we would pass the test of little things today and be obedient to what God is asking of you. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. Lord, we give you praise for you are faithful, God. Lord, we ask, Lord, in turn, Lord, stir our hearts to be obedient to that which you have called us, Lord, that we would run our race, Father, with endurance, with the perseverance, and that we would press on and we would make a decision right now. I'm not going to quit, God, because you're faithful and you deserve faithfulness back. So we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.